Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this time in the name of Jesus. Let your touch, let your grace be all over this place. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let the magnificent presence of God help the youngest to the oldest, every man, every woman, in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Empower me. Embolden me to become all you desire. Teach my mind. Teach my heart. Teach my spirit. Help me walk out of this place stronger, full of faith. Holy Spirit, I invite you, not just in this moment, but in my family, in my life, in the name of Jesus. Come on, a church alive said, Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand, a real one. Praise God. All right, grab your seat. Grab your seat. Turn to the person next to you. Say, You look like you lost a couple of pounds. There's almost too much laughter when it comes to that, isn't there? Psalm 19 says this The heavens declare the glory. Of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands I was recently uh, last night actually I saw an amazing sunset how many love some sunsets feels like when the fall shows up we see more sunsets and just the other day I was on my porch and and people were actually stopping stopping their dog getting out their phone they're looking at the sunset they're taking pictures of it why because it was like God was painting this picture of beauty and perfection and the Bible says that the heavens actually declare or speak The glory of God. Every time you see a beautiful sunset or sunrise, mountains and stars, rivers and valleys, what are you seeing? You're seeing the work of His hand. You're seeing His handiwork. The Bible goes on to say that day after day they pour forth speech and they use no words and no sound is heard from them. Verse 4 says, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens. It makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Now it goes on to say and talk about how important the word of God is. And it says this, that the law of the Lord is perfect. Someone say perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Giving what? Giving what? Joy Joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant. Giving what? Light. Light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the decrees of the Lord are firm. And all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. And by them, your servant is warned. 
and in keeping them, there is great, great reward. We've been in a series called This Is Our Faith. And we've been diving in. This is about week four, week five of this series. And we've been talking about uh, the simplicity that if God is going to grow something great in your life, He must build your foundation. Have you ever seen the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa? It was a very famous uh, building because the foundation was wrong. And God wants to, if your foundation's a little bit shaky, a little bit wrong, God wants to build them. Amen. God wants to build your life so that He can build your thinking. He wants to build your family. He wants to build you are. But often He has to drill down into our foundation. And I have found that sometimes in this Christian life that many people call themselves Christian, but it seems like there's this leaning tower of Pisa kind of factor with their life. And you're like, hold on, God, help me become the person I'm meant to become. And sometimes that means God has to speak and build and rebuild again the very foundation of what you actually believe faith is. Are you with me? We're going to get into today, I'm going to more teach I like to preach, which kind of just means I like to shout at people. But I am going to teach today. I'm going to be calmer today. And I'm going to try and get to nine points. If you like to take notes in church, this is the, this is the service for you. If you hate to take notes in church, I'm sorry. But I just think you'll sit closer to Jesus in heaven if you take notes in church. And uh, there'll be this special kind of, you know, you ever seen the VIP section of like a, uh, you know, a... Um, club or anything. There's VIP section. There's a VIP section in heaven. And they were the note takers. Uh, they were the note takers. The question is, what do Christians believe about the word? This is the essence of our faith. We've been talking about who Jesus is. He is the word. He is light. He is life. He is God. He is the resurrection and he is the life. But we get that from the word. What do, the question is though, what do Christians and what have they believed for thousands of years about the word? Number one today is this, that the miracles are not fables, but real life accounts of eyewitnesses. Let me say that again. The miracles are not fables, but real life accounts of eyewitnesses. Second Peter chapter one says this, Peter is Speaking, and you can tell the intensity of his voice. It's like you read it. Second Peter 1, verse 16, says this. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were what? We were what? We were what? We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. We're not just making this up. You see the the intensity of His words. He's like, we're not just following some weird story. We didn't just smoke a few drugs and see some weird vision. No, we literally were there with Jesus Himself. And we were the eyewitnesses of of His majesty. And verse 17 says, He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with Him on the sacred mountain. Many years ago, um, 
I met a man by the name of Yesi Potam. I got to meet him on a Thanksgiving weekend as I went to a friend of mine's house. And, and my friend described him. He was like, uh, Anthony, why don't you come meet him? He's kind of like the Apostle Paul. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, I should probably meet this guy, right? And um, so I went to the house. And it's interesting. I was literally in the kitchen. And I was doing something in the sink. And Yesi Potam walked by. He didn't say anything. It was just early in the morning. And I glanced by and he kind of walked by, but he didn't see me yet. And I felt, it was the weirdest moment, I felt the love of God as he walked by. And I had not even met him yet. And I just kind of went, oh, that was kind of crazy. He was a man who was a communist person who wanted to bring change to India and change by any means necessary, which means he was hurting people and making people not feel very good. Let's just leave it that way. And Jesus literally appears to him in the sky and an audible voice says, this is what I've done for you, my son. What will you do for me? And when he said, my son, it was like, yes, he part of me said, it, it broke my heart because I was an untouchable boy in India. And then from that moment on, this communist leader who used to hurt people became a preacher of Jesus Christ from that day. The first day he's a Christian, he gets a rock thrown at his head from the village that he was preaching in. Out of that life came 10,000, not people who are Christian, 10,000 churches. When he talks, there's something about the authenticity. There's something about the conviction. Why? Because he's like, I didn't read it in a book. Literally, I was running a completely separate way. Jesus appeared to me in the sky and I heard an audible voice. That was really Peter's experience. He's speaking about the Mount of Transfiguration and he says this, I heard the voice. He says, I saw him. And he says, I saw him resurrected from the dead. And so I'm not telling you some story to get money from you. I'm not becoming an influencer on Instagram or social media. He says, I am telling you what I felt, what I saw, what I heard. It's like he's compelling people in this moment. Miracles are not fables, but real life accounts of eyewitnesses. You might have never seen a miracle. I talked to a man many years ago. He was clinically dead for 45 minutes. 45 minutes. The bag was over his body. And then he came back. How many know that'll freak out a nurse? <laughs> the bag was literally over his body and he came back speaking in other languages. They unzip him and just went, what in the world just happened? He literally, out of a plane crash, dies or tragically kind of got so hurt that three weeks later he dies and for 45 minutes he's in the morgue and he says I went basically up into heaven and I also saw an eternal abyss and when that man talks he talks with conviction and what was interesting, he went on a weird journey where he would go and visit different places and visit different places. He thought it was in the Buddhist temple. He thought it was in another place. He thought it was in another place. And then he said he walked into a church one day and he had not walked into a church. And then he was like, oh, this was the presence I felt in heaven. And he became a preacher of Jesus. He was an eyewitness of a miracle. I talked to a lady in our foyer today. She was like, hey, when I came to this church in January, we couldn't have a baby. She's about to have a baby in one month's time. Wow. 
Second thought, scriptures were inspired by God. Scriptures were inspired by God. This is what Christians believe. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 goes on to say this. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through humans, uh, through, though human, sorry, spoke from God as they were carried. Someone say carried. They were carried along or inspired along by the Holy Spirit. Number three today. God's word reveals God's nature, God's character, God's heart, God's ways. This is what Christians have believed. That, that the scriptures actually believe his, his, it reveals his nature, his character, his heart, his ways. God is holy, someone say holy. holy. God is loving, someone say loving. God is merciful, someone say merciful. God is justice, someone say justice. God is righteous, someone say righteous. All of these things are revealed in the Scriptures that God is holy and in the essence and the holiness of God sits love, sits mercy, sits righteousness, sits justice. And here's what's so broken about our culture is many times you see leaders who want to bring about justice, but they have zero holiness. And you can never bring about justice unless you understand holiness. You can never bring about God's justice at the same time as tearing down the law of God. Because you will actually break the future instead of build the future. Number four. Promises are to be received on and acted on. Psalm 19 verse 10 and 11 says this. They are much more precious than gold. They're much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Now watch this. Now by them your servant is warned and in keeping them there is what? In keeping his word there is what? There is a promise in scripture for your life. Michael Murphy talked about it last week in John 10, 10. The thief comes, he says, to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it what? More abundantly. That's the promise of God. And if you're not experiencing that, that's still the promise. And maybe there's some aligning that you need to get into if you're not experiencing that life. I know if I've ever struggled financially, there has been a scripture that I've leaned on for years. My God shall meet all my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And I'll say it and I'll pray it and I'll declare it. And then I might have to align some things. Many years ago, God did some miracles in my life where, where it, it just He opened the door for me to go to America. He gave me a full scholarship. He did all kinds of stuff. So then from there on out, you know what I thought? The Lord just rains down manner on your head. No, there are seasons of miracles, moments of miracles, but the primary way that God actually provides for you is through your gift and your talent. I was waiting for manna and he was waiting for me to work. Never be the Christian that's just sitting there going, I'm waiting on the Lord (laughs) for a job. Have you looked for a job? No, no, no. I'm just waiting on him. I'll just wait here. And I'm like, you'll be waiting a while. It is rare that people walk up to you and say, here's a company. Please be the CEO. (laughs) My God shall meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory. How many of you want to bless family? Say yes. Yes. 
There is a promise in Scripture to live a blessed life when it comes to your family. It is a promise, but it has to be activated. It has to be walked into and sometimes fought for. Haven't you noticed that sometimes you've found a level of freedom in Christ, but it feels like sometimes you hit a wall? Have you ever noticed that sometimes you, you walk into Jesus and like, oh, yes, I'm free. And then later you're like, oh, I'm not as free of it as I thought. Why? Because freedom actually is a process that you walk into. And sometimes when you get free, sometimes you take three steps back. And you're like, I believe in Jesus, but you need to keep on walking forward. Does that make sense? Amen. Yeah, amen. Number four, promises that will be received and acted on. Warnings, number five. Warnings are to be taken seriously. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Is a long passage of scripture. Can you handle it? About seven of you. What about the rest of you? You're like, no. I like short passages. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 says this. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, someone say ancestors, were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It says, uh, and they all ate the same spiritual food. It's, it's speaking of when Israel came out of Egypt and went through the Red Sea and then into the, into the desert and they fed from manna from heaven and quail and, and God literally sent water out of a rock. He's speaking of, he's a Hebrew, he's speaking of the Hebrews, but how many you know, in essence, he's a person speaking of persons. So all of us can put ourselves in this. And he says that they drank the same spiritual drink. Um, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Um, verse 6. Now these things occurred as what? Now these things occurred as examples to keep who? Is that you? Us is us is us. That's what it means in the Greek and in the Hebrew and in Swahili. Us is all of us right here, right now. He says, now these things occurred to us as examples to keep us from setting what? Our hearts on evil things as they did. He says this, verse 7. Do not be idolatrous as some of them were. As it is written, the people... Um, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. What does this mean? It is the children of Israel, they, had, uh, they were in the desert and Moses had come up on the hill and he's spending 40 days with God and God is giving him the Ten Commandments, but he hasn't come down yet. And they literally like, where is Moses? We don't even know if he's, he's here. So they choose another leader. They choose Aaron. And, and they literally get their silver, they get the gold, they get their Rolexes, they get their, their, their watches and they give it to Aaron and they say, make us a calf. Why are they doing that? Because their past was rooted in idolatry and you and I are always tempted to go back to our past. Hebrews were often tempted to go back and, oh, I still want to sacrifice. I still want to be righteous by uh, by. Uh, circumcision and do the feast and, and, and the writer of the book of Hebrews says no, push on towards grace but here's what's interesting the Corinthian church was a sexually immoral place it was the Vegas of the day it was the place where people would go and they would P-A-R-T-Y because I got up that was the place where they would go and they would party and so the Corinthian church 
Them going back wasn't going back to Hebrew sacrifices. Them going back was going back to prostitution and, and strippers and, 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 and all the things that are tied up with that. And Paul says to them, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. In the verse 9, we should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble. Someone say, don't grumble. grumble. I find it so interesting that idolatry, sexual immorality, grumbling. Whining. Woe is me. Isn't it so interesting that literally scripture puts it on the same plane? Sexual immorality, idolatry, don't test God, don't grumble. How are you doing with that? Your attitude does matter. Your speech does matter. You'll take people to barren places when you speak negativity. Are you with me? Now watch this now, verse 11. And these things happen to who? Them. You know what them means in the Hebrew? Greek? Swahili? Them. These things happen to them as what? As examples and were written down as warnings for who? You know what it means? Us in the Greek and the Hebrew and Swahili, you know what it means? Us. Someone say, that's me. Slap your neighbor, say, that's you. Now slap your other one and say, it's definitely you. He goes on to say this. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, watch this now, be careful that you don't fall. Has your faith been growing? You're like, oh, I'm growing. Look at me, I'm growing, I'm moving forward. I'm on the prayer team. I show up at men's prayer. I'm in a transformed group. I go to men's, I go to church life college. Hey, I graduated college. Be careful. You just graduated college. Just be careful. Oh, I preached for my first time. Be careful. The first time I ever preached in front of 200 people, the next day, there was like a devil sent to my life. Just because you've arrived doesn't mean you have continued to not need the word, not you don't need prayer. I, I, I warn, let me just say this, if you're watching online, I warn Christians who stay by themselves and just think that reading their Bible is enough. God never intended for you to just be Bible boy by yourself. Hi, I'm Bible boy. No one preaches deep enough for them. No one preaches the, the right doctrine for them. There's no preacher good enough except themselves. And they sit there in their basement and they critique every ministry and they don't do any ministry. Be wary of people who are always critiquing ministry and never do any ministry. Anyway, just a warning for you. Warnings are to be taken seriously. You know, the book of Proverbs is probably one of my favorite books and it speaks of wise and it speaks of foolish. Someone say wise. wise. Someone say foolish. foolish. How many know if you're foolish, you can turn around and become wise? How many know if you're wise, you can turn around and become a fool? The good news is if you've been foolish, you've just got one little turn to make. The bad news is if you've been wise, you've just got one little turn to make. The book of Proverbs over and over will say wise and foolish. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 7. There was a wise man. There was a foolish man. I'm not calling you foolish. 
Sometimes Jesus is. Amen. Number six, God's word sets people free. Oh, goodness. Someone say that with me. God's word sets people free. Say, when I apply God's word, it sets me free. When I hear it and don't do it, it doesn't. Come on, one more time. God's word sets people free. John 8, 31 says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth. And what will the truth do? How come it's the only line we know? And the truth shall set you free. It's the line we know. But if you hold, the goal is hold. The, the encouragement is hold. The, the, the charge from Jesus himself is hold. Here's what's interesting. I have often found that we can believe great theology on Jesus and great theology on the Father, but sometimes be completely deceptive or deceived in certain areas of our life. I was listening to a motivational talk recently. I was working out and I was listening to uh, Kobe Bryant talk about the mamba mentality and stuff. It was kind of cool talk. And when you're working out, you should, you should, you should listen to someone who's just kicking your tail. You'd work out like five times per day. Every day. You're like, oh my gosh. I thought I was fit. <laughs> what was interesting about what Kobe was saying was that I've actually noticed this about professional athletes. Those are the highest. They get very truthful about what their strengths and they get very truthful with themselves about their weaknesses. And what I've noticed with you and I as people, we actually avoid our weaknesses and we won't admit our weaknesses. Because how many know truth sets you free when you do it? So in finances... Are you lost in finances? Get the facts. Are you lost in your health? Get the facts. Are you lost in relationships? Get the facts. Why? Because truth sets you free wherever you are. In your mind, in your heart, in education, in government, truth sets us free. God's word sets people free. Number seven today, God's word enables. Someone say enable. Someone say empower. God's word enables or empowers us to overcome temptation. Ephesians chapter six says this, be strong or finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. These two next words are important. Someone say that with me. So that, be strong in the Lord, be strong in the Lord, be strong in the Lord, so that you can stand. He's telling you to apply truth, to stand, to keep on standing, so that when the day of evil comes, haven't you found the day of evil seems here? So that when temptation comes, so that when you are lured, so that when all those things happen, you actually can stand firm. Number eight says this, God's word enables us to recover if we fall into temptation. How many know it's one thing to overcome temptation and I pray that you live a life that overcomes temptation, but how many know we're still sinful people and we do fall regularly. So here's the thing, the 
that God's word gives us the recovery path forward. 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Can I ask you a question? Why do you, why do you need to confess it? Because you need to admit and come into alignment that you've erred. I don't like to do that. Have you ever played hide and seek with a two-year-old? They're like, you can't see me. They hide in the corner and do this. When you err, when you sin, sometimes that's us. God, (laughs) I'm hiding. (laughs) And he's like, I already know. I already see. I'm just asking you to admit it. I'm asking you to confess it. I'm asking you to say, man, my attitude stunk there. I'm asking you to say my speech was wrong there. I'm asking you to say I love that thing and that thing but over you. And you just come and say, God, I did that. And he's not trying to shame it. He's trying to cleanse. Are you glad that when you come to Jesus, he doesn't show you all your sins at one time? I think if Jesus showed all our faults and failures at one time, we'd literally go, oh God, just take me right now. (laughs) But I found it's like an onion pill that he just kind of peels away and there's something else, that there's a new attitude, there's a new moment, there's there's another heart condition, there's, oh my goodness, I promoted myself, or I was insecure here, or I doubted you here. And there's all these moments of heart and he says, just admit it. Just admit that I've given you a promise and you're doubting it. Just admit that you're, how many of marriages would be helped if you just admit it? Oh, my attitude stuck there. And then say, oh, Jesus, cleanse me. Number nine. Christians believe that the Word of God endures forever. The Word of God endures forever. First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 says this, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people, they are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Haven't you noticed the older you get, the days are long, but your years are short? I meet people all the time, they're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm 45. They're like, oh, I feel like I'm 35. We always seem to take a decade off us. <laughs> I've been doing that for about three decades. I'm 45 years old and sometimes, I, I, sometimes I'll be honest, I feel 35. And then if I ever injure myself, I feel like 55. And the longer I live, the, it's like the... the the more I realize, my goodness, in, in 30 years, like 30 years will come and go. 30 years, I'm 75. Gray hair, bald, wrinkles, not as straight, just standing here. 30 years. Hopefully I'll still be somewhat handsome. I don't know. God willing, just lifting that up to you, Jesus. 30 years. Hey, Louisa, 
I won't say Louise's age, but she looks amazing for her age. I will say that. But... That alarm, that's telling you time's short. You're getting older. But the word of the Lord endures forever. You know, uh, this morning I, I ate some cashews and I had some different nuts and so forth. I'm actually allergic to walnuts. It's not bad allergy. It's not like Mr. Rosek. If I give him walnuts, uh, I'll be seeing him later in the hospital, I think. I just get this little scratch. Just a little scratchy throat. Doctor told me I'm allergic to it. What the Word of God does is it reveals what you're allergic to. Some of you are doing some things and you're like, God, why do I feel empty? Because you're eating things you shouldn't eat. Because you're digesting and thinking things you shouldn't. The Word of God reveals those. The Word of God is a light. Why is our culture feeling like it's falling apart in so many different places? They lost the Word. They lost the light. They lost the foundation. It was, it was in the 1960s, they introduced, or 1970s, they introduced Darwinism. Darwinism said there is no God. Therefore, if there's no God, there's no right, there's no wrong. So Darwinism produced a baby called relativism. And then relativism hung out for a while. And guess what? Relativism had a baby called confusion. And that's what's happening all over this culture. Don't embrace the, the morals of this culture. The, the Word of God will set you free. The Word of God will build your family. The Word of God will get in your mind and in your heart. That's why I'm, I'm passionate about getting people, not just on a Sunday attending sometimes, but getting the Word in them. Listening to praise and worship, listening to the Word of God, going to Church of Life College, going to a transform group, be a part of it. Get baptized into an environment of faith. And it truly will build your life. It'll build you. God is for you. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. Let me say this. The Bible is not just for your knowledge. It is for your transformation. It is for your freedom. It is for your transformation. All across this place, close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that your touch will be in this place. Spirit of God, come. No one moving around this time. Eyes closed. Father, I ask you, come in these moments. Come in these moments. Pour out your grace in these moments. Can we say this prayer with me? If you desire to just be more in God's Word, if you desire its truth to change your life, can you say this simple prayer? Say, Father, help me desire your truth, your word. Help me build my mind, build my life, build my family, build the kingdom on your word. Help me become the man or woman I'm meant to become. Oh, in Jesus' name, help me hunger for your word that I might feed my soul in the name of Jesus. Well, eyes, eyes closed all across this place. Maybe you're in this place today. And maybe you don't know God. 
You might conceptually believe in him. The apostle Peter didn't conceptually believe in him. He knew him. That same friendship that Peter knew him, that John knew him, that many of this, the people in this church, they know him, they walk with him, they hear his voice. Not perfectly whatsoever, but they hear his voice and, and his life has changed their life. That is available for you. That's the promise for you. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So all across this place, if you meant business with God, if you know you need God, if you know you need to accept Him into your life, and maybe you have not, maybe you've run from it, maybe you've wandered far, all across this place, we're going to pray a simple, simple prayer. And that prayer will connect you to Him by faith and grace. So Church Alive, can we say this together? Say, Father. Everyone online as well, the whole church family say this as well. Say, Father, I thank you. I ask you, forgive my sin. Come into my life. Change my heart. I need you. I confess and I believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, that his life can change my life. And I ask you now to change my life in the name of Jesus. While eyes are closed and heads are bowed all across this place, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm simply going to get you to respond to God by lifting a hand and lifting up high on the count of three. Those of you that prayed that and not just you, maybe you prayed it many times before. I'm talking about those who say, Anthony, today I'm putting my faith in Christ, right here, right now, all across this place. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Many hands are going up. Thank you, thank you. All across this place. Thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, thank you. So good. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you. I, I ask you to touch every person and touch every person. In the mighty name of Jesus. And a church alive said, hey, can we put our hands together for those people that said yes to Jesus?